Well, welcome to this week's edition of the Wisp Me Mob Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C, Walker. Yes, that's right. It is me. And we are listening to what I call my bumper music. And that is music recorded by a gentleman by the name of Jason Shaw. He has a website called Audio notics.com if you have a podcast or you need some sort of music for whatever you're doing some kind of a video or whatever and you want royalty free music you can do that you go to audionautics.com you can listen to the different styles download the music and if you don't mind make a donation to Jason so he can keep producing great music but now that that's over with I want to introduce my guest this week and this is a person I've known Gosh, I can't remember how many years it's been, but I will tell you one thing, and she and I will discuss it, is from what I remember, she was the very first performer at the Frederick Coffee Company and Cafe Open Mic Series many years ago, and one of the favorites of all those years that I ran it, and Tommy won him right. I'm I'm talking with and about Fran Tucker, who's on the phone right now. Hi, Fran. Hi, Todd. I am so it's funny. What? It's funny. I had forgotten that until I heard you just say it. Well, and I didn't realize it until probably the last year or two of the open mic series and you were performing. And I think I, I had introduced you as one of the original performers at the open mic series. And you said, well, actually, Todd, I was the very first one. And I do, I do remember seeing you. Carol said, did you ever see her? And I didn't go to those early open mics much, but I do remember going. There probably were only, well, there was the, the fellow who was the host. And then there were maybe one or two, maybe three performers. And I remember exactly. you when I saw you again at the coffee company, just being there. I went, oh, there's that girl that played at the open mic. So, oh, wow. but, uh, you know, how did you ever find out about that open mic series in the beginning? You know, I'm trying to remember, and I'm not sure, but my best guess would be I take lessons with Sam Biskin, and he lived in town, and he probably heard about it and told me about it because he's always encouraging his students to play out if they can, and they want to. So I'm guessing that's how I heard about it. And I did not realize you took guitar lessons from Sam Biskin. For quite a while now, but on and off, as I can afford it. Mm -hmm. And for those people listening who are familiar with Sam Biskin, and then for those people who are not, Sam is, is, he's a character, but in a wonderful sense of the word, um, around the greater Frederick area. He's not only a guitar teacher, he's a wonderful performer and just a super, super guy. And that's who Fran is referring to one of my very best friends and I guess we've known each other about 20 years now and um, I met him through a mutual friend and the night I met him I heard he was a guitar teacher and I said oh you know it's been a long time since I've played but I, I'd like to take some more lessons sometime and that I've been taking them ever since I took one a couple of weeks ago on Zoom. Now of all the things you learned from him or through him was there anything that really changed the way you play guitar for the better? Something that was like an aha moment? Many, many things, but I think the most important of them was just play. Mm -hmm. From the very first day that I went to see him, we started playing songs, and basically he told me I was overthinking things, and the idea was to make music, and it wasn't going to be perfect. He said, just play, have a good time and play, play all the time. That is wonderful advice. I thought so. I mean, so many of yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, your turn. The reason I was so successful with him where I wasn't successful with other teachers is that he wasn't criticizing every minute. He doesn't care how I hold the pick. He doesn't care where I put my foot. And if, if for some reason I can't, um, accomplish a whole chord, Either we skip it for now, we find a way to go around it, we only play four strings, but some way we play every time. It's It's interesting that you say that you play together, he being the teacher, you being the student. 
I took very uh-huh. few, very, very few guitar lessons. I might have taken a half a dozen way back in the 1970s, and I was a professional musician at the time, and I thought I needed some theory and, and so forth. But the instructor I had, as good of a guitar player as he was, and he ac- actually was a pretty good teacher, but he didn't ever play with me. Yeah, and that's what made it different for me. And I had tried to take lessons over the years from several other teachers, I had even uh, paid for a course at the college and audited it, thinking I'll be able to ask for what I want to learn since I'm not getting a grade, and surely this person is qualified, and after three weeks, I quit Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I just couldn't, you know, it was too much form and relearn this, and you're doing this wrong, and it it wasn't fun anymore. Well, when did you first become interested one, in playing guitar, but probably before that, interested in music. How did that happen in your life? Well, there was a lot of music in my family. Uh, My father played uh, piano and organ and conducted choirs as a hobby, church choirs. My uh, grandfather was uh, in the National Ukrainian Choir when Ukraine was a nation of its own. Um, long time ago, and my mother sang, she was a trained singer, she sang opera, so there was a lot of music in my household. I've been singing since I was very little, I've always wanted to be a singer, and um, when I was probably, oh, I seven or eight years old, I got a guitar because I was interested in it. My parents bought me a a child-sized guitar. It wasn't like the parlor. It was literally a guitar built for a small person. And um, I remember playing around with it, but I didn't play it a lot. Um, now, was it wooden or plastic? It was wooden, and I still have it. Do you really? I do. It was. It's a... Uh, I probably won't pronounce it right. Eggman Brothers. It was made in Holland. Wow. And I still have it. It's a steel string, very small steel string guitar. You will have to take... I'm sorry. Go ahead. It still plays. I still play it. You Please take a photo of it, since we can't really see people in person as much as we used to, but take a photo of it and either email it to me or text it to me. I would love to see a photo of that guitar. All right, I will. And once we can get back out and get back to what we used to call, or what we would now call normal life that we never realized was normal at the time, <laughs> maybe I can see it in person. And, and I would love to do like a gear review article for the Fame newsletter on that guitar oh, and cool. your your experience with it. Was it an easy guitar to play? Not particularly, but it wasn't too hard either. And you still play it, it now? You know, Occasionally, yeah. I still have it out. I still play it occasionally. Now, Just that, because it's fun and it has decent tone. Now, again, how when you received that, how old were you? I think seven or eight. I was trying to remember earlier, and I think about seven or eight years old. And I did not take lessons at that time. My father was a multi-instrumentalist, and he was going to teach me. Unfortunately, he passed away when I was eight. Oh, so for a while, I did lose interest in playing the piano and the guitar because I tried a few teachers and none of them could measure up for obvious reasons. Sure. Uh, he was not only a, an incredibly patient and wonderful teacher, but he loved me. So, you know, it made a difference. Oh, my gosh, yes. Now, speaking yeah. of piano, do you still play piano? I do not. I do not. My... um my dad's piano is at my brother's, um, and he plays a little. He has a lovely voice, but he's not someone that wants to perform. Mm-hmm. So probably the only time you would hear him singing was in church, and I, I doubt he plays much piano at all anymore either, but we still have my dad's piano. I think that's wonderful that you have that you have the piano still in the family and that you have that mm-hmm. first guitar of all the people there there are very few people I've spoken with and I've done 40 different shows 
the I think there's only maybe one other person who said they still have their first guitar or first instrument. Most of us, they either break or they are so cheap and so unplayable, we, you know, they just go by the wayside. So the fact that you even still play it is wonderful. Good for you. Well, thank you. And, and I, I have another guitar that I hardly ever play. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my second, my second guitar was a classical Yamaha, a G235. Uh-huh. That, that my mom bought me when I was in college when I took up guitar again because my roommate, who was from Pennsylvania, Scotty Dietrich, um, played folk music, and that's what got me interested in it again. And she and I used to play and sing harmonies, and she's the one that taught me to fingerpick, and I learned on that Yamaha. Well, and speaking of fingerpick, I have told you this before, you may not remember it, but your fingerpick style, you it's what I call locked in. Many, many of us as guitar players finger pick, but we vary our speed, I should say, and we're not always uh-huh. precise, and yours is locked in rock steady. Thank you. Thank you very much, Todd. Well, you're, you're most welcome. So you, you got back into guitar playing when you are in college. Now, that brings up a question. Where did you grow up? Where was home? Well, uh, mostly Bethesda. Before I was eight, we lived several different places in the world because my father was um, with the State Department, Foreign Service. Okay. He was a Foreign Service officer. So we traveled uh, extensively. Um, But we were in Bethesda when he passed away, and that's I grew up. Um, And then I went to Hood College. And that's how I ended up in Frederick. Now, where were some of the places in the world that you traveled to? We lived in Nigeria when I was very small for two years in Lagos. And then um, we were in Rome for a little while. And we lived in Bulgaria was our last uh, post uh, in Sofia when I was, I guess, four through six years old. And then we moved back to the States. We were in New York for a while, and then Virginia, and then Maryland, and then we didn't move anymore. I mean, so. what, what, what a, I never, I didn't travel much as a kid. My parents were just, even to go away for a day or two vacation, it was leave at two in the morning, get there by breakfast, spend the day, leave at 10 o'clock at night, and be home by four. So right. the fact that someone, many people I know who have traveled either at a very young age or um, when they were adults, that's phenomenal. How much of that do you remember? I remember a lot of it, but not like an adult would remember. I have, um, you know, just pictures in my head of different places and people and things that we did. And um, basically, just they're like snapshots or little vignettes. Speaking of snapshots, was your family a snapshot family? Did you do you have a lot? You and your brother have a lot of snapshots from when you were younger. We have a lot of slides. My ah. my dad had a camera, and he took a lot of slides. Yeah, a lot of slides. I wonder you yeah. probably you probably had one of those slide projectors, and I forgot what they were called. Where it's it's a, a it's circular, and all the slides go in, and they drop in and they go up. What was that called? I can't remember. We I, certainly did. Yeah. I loved slides. I like the slides. final little carousel, and there yes. were like, I don't know, 200 slides or something in there? Yeah. It it was laborious to put them in and then realize yep. that they were all upside down and you had to start from scratch again. But once they were in yep. and you could show them, they were phenomenal. And we also have the little viewer where you can look at them one at a time. Oh, yeah. 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 Do you remember the so, little... Yeah, men. Do you remember that little thing where the... Um, it had a clicker on the right-hand side, and you put a disc, and it was little slides in there, and you could see them. I guess there were two of them, and uh, we had them as kids, yeah. and they were, I don't remember what they were of, travelogues or whatever, but speaking of slides. I do. I do remember this. I don't have one, though. <laughs> well, I, you know, I haven't seen one of those since I was probably 12, if even that, yeah. even that old. So the... Um, do you still play the Yamaha, the nylon string? 
occasionally. Occasionally, not very often. Because now I'm very used to playing the steel string. And the, that's a classical of the Yamaha. The neck on it is so very wide. They are. And, you know, I, I didn't think anything of it when I was playing it all the time. But now that I'm not used to it anymore, it just feels like reaching across the Grand Canyon. <laughs> now, who are and some... I have, you know, I have, I have hand issues anyway. So that big a reach really messes with my hand. So I hardly ever play that guitar. But I love it. It's got the most beautiful, warm tone. So oh, my gosh, yes. I won't give it up. Now, who were some of your musical influences as a young person? Maybe even when you weren't playing, as you know, when you were in that you know ten, eleven, twelve, early teens, and then once you got to college. Um, as a young person, I would, as a very young person, I would have to say Burl Ives. Yeah, me too. I loved Burl Ives, and um, as a young adult um any of the folk singers um uh bob dylan john baez carol king um certainly i loved simon and garfunkel they were probably my favorite because i adore harmony um and but then i also although i don't play a lot of it i also love david bowie I love Jethro Tull. <laughs> oh, so I have yeah. a strange eclectic day. <laughs> now, you and your your roommate in college, the one who got you back into playing, did you mm -hmm. perform out or did you just perform in the dorm? We performed in and around the college, out like a coffee house or um, if they did a concert or a talent show or something like that, but we didn't perform out in town. Now, well, what were some Very of the much. what were some of the songs that you sang as as a duo? We did songs like Two Brothers. We did a lot of Civil War folk songs with harmonies. Did you really? Yeah, you probably because that, that her background, her uh, I guess mom and sister, if I remember correctly, uh, both were into Civil War folk songs, and they taught them to her, and she taught them to me. Now, did have you ever had a conversation about uh, Civil War? songs with John Durant? Yeah. I was going to say, because he's done those those albums and everything with the old old songs. Yes, and he is he's amazing. amazing. An amazing musician and an amazing historian. I don't know, you know, yet my knowledge is a grain of sand compared to John. <laughs> <laughs> but I love to hear him play. Oh, no, I do too. I do too. And he is a wonderful man. So the... Um, was that where you got your, during the college years performing on, is that where you got your performance bug? I think I've always had it. <laughs> um, that's, I think that's the first time it was put to use um, in any regular way. But from being a small child, I loved performing. I loved singing. I loved acting. Um, I loved reciting poetry from very little. I still remember poems from when I was a child. Do you really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know the preponderance of the child's garden of verses by heart still. Now, is, so, do you recite those occasionally and that's how you remember them or you just remember them? I recite my favorites just for fun. Do you want to hear one? Sure. When I am grown to a man's estate, I shall be very proud and great and tell the other girls and boys not to meddle with my toys. That's my favorite. <laughs> you must have recited those so many times as a child to remember them this long and this well. I, for whatever, I can't remember dates. I hardly ever remember people's names, but for whatever reason, lyrics and poems, I remember my whole life. I remember my first French dialogue that I learned in, I guess it was junior high school. <laughs> I just, I remember those things. Now, what was the, the first French dialogue that you learned? 
Oh, good Lord. Um, I, I took French probably three years, maybe four, and I barely remember anything. Of course, my wife, Carol, is fluent in French, so it's very humbling to me. Now that I've said that, now that I've said that, give me a second. <laughs> uh, je m'appelle Jean Cluny. Mm-hmm. My name uh, is, yep. Yeah. Comment uh, t'appelles tu? Je suis Jean Pitou, et voici mon ami Anne. The very first thing I learned in French. Well, your pronunciation is actually quite good. Yes, again. I took a lot of French. The, now, what did you study in college? Um, I had a, an interesting college time. I ended up with an interdisciplinary major called Law and Society, which is uh, encompasses, and I think they still have it, it would, um, the disciplines of history, philosophy, sociology, economics, and political science. And it was basically a pre-law degree. Now, did you have aspirations to become an attorney? At one point in time, I had aspirations to go into juvenile counseling mm-hmm. in the criminal justice system. And honestly, by the time that I finished college, because I was on the five and a half year plan, I was working and I would have had to take a huge cut in pay to go into my field. Uh, Additionally, I had pretty much decided that it wasn't for me by that time. Now, what were you doing work-wise at that point in time? I was working as an administrative assistant, mm-hmm. and um, but ba- basically, I I had decided that I really didn't have the temperament for what I had chosen to do when I knew more about it. Right. And uh, I thought about law school, but decided that it was it was really prohibitively expensive. That is and, uh, yeah. huge and a and a huge. Um, commitment of time and I just wasn't sure about it. So I continued to work, but the degree that I had helped me get the job that I have now where I've been for 30 years at FINRA. You've been in the same job for 30 years. That's terrific. Yeah. I celebrated 30 years, actually almost a year ago. It'll be 31 years in December. Now, what, what do you do? What is your, I, I know that you, it's either Wednesday or Thursday. I think it's Wednesday. You work from, or you, back when lives were normal, there was one day of the week where you yeah. worked at home. Now almost exactly. everybody works from home, but the, um, I've been working from home since March. Oh gosh. Yeah. So many people yeah. have. Yeah. I am so blessed that I have a job that I can work from home. Um, what, so what exactly I do is I work in quality control in the department um, that processes registrations for broker-dealers, for individual brokers, and also administers um, examinations for brokers. And the area I concentrate on is the broker's disciplinary histories, and that's why they wanted somebody either with a uh, law background, like a JD or somebody with criminal justice background. So it was kind of a perfect marriage. What you studied and what you you basically transitioned transitioned into work wise. It turned out to be just right. Yeah. yeah. So somebody's plan, not mine. But I'm again, I'm blessed, and somebody had a plan, and I ended up in a really nice job. And do you still enjoy it? I do. Oh, that's terrific. We, I do. It's a fine company, and I love my job, and I'm incredibly blessed with a wonderful boss, which makes all the difference in the world, and good coworkers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do. Now, the from college, moving forward, getting into the working world, you kept the guitar handy the whole time and the singing handy, or did it kind of ebb and flow as you moved along? It really ebbed and flowed, <clears throat> more ebb than flow, to tell you the truth. Um, I didn't play very much. I mean, I played for myself a couple of years out of college, and then I didn't play very much. And then I was married for a decade and where I hardly played at all. 
Now, what, um, what got you back into playing when you did? I think meeting Sam. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, you know, I still had my guitars and I was kind of toying with it, but I was at a plateau. I couldn't really do anything else on my own. I wasn't, I'm not, um, I don't learn a lot by myself. I've learned much more around other people. I'm not self, a self-starter in terms of music. Um, a lot, especially in terms of the guitar. So I needed that focus and direction that a teacher provides. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you can do this now. Let's let me show you this. Yeah. And uh, and and also the accountability. You know that when I come back for my next lesson, I want to show that I've practiced and that I've gotten better, and we can move on to something else now. So that really helped me play guitar more often and more seriously. And then he's the one that encouraged me to play out. And I, you know, by this time I'm an, an adult. I think it's easier at 14, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, honestly, the, this is, um, the thing that made me go and play my first open mic was, that a friend of mine, um, who was a, a pretty recent friend that I had met through a very good friend, but I, I liked him very much. He was a very nice person, um, very successful, very successful attorney, um, nice family, happily married, had a lovely life, got a brain tumor Ooh. and died with, died within a week. Oh, my word. And at his memorial service, and this was a very successful, confident, outgoing person, right? I overheard somebody at his memorial service say, it was too bad he never got to play open mic. He never got up the nerve, but he had always wanted to. Oh. And I went straight from his memorial service to open mic and played. I was like, okay brand they're not going to say that at your service you may stink but you're going to play <laughs> <laughs> because you're not going to miss this opportunity so well, i went to i went to my friend john harbison's open mic he's unfortunately deceased now um but he was he ran a wonderful open mic at uh, in Sherwood, and he was very helpful to me and encouraging and he tuned my guitar for me before I got on stage. And I sang three songs to my feet. Now, do you remember what the song was that you sang first? Ziggy Stardust. Oh, it was Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I don't think I've ever, ever attempted that song. It, I've taken it out of my set. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not an acoustic song, but I, one of my favorite songs. So. Well, you know, who cares, really, if it's, <laughs> you know, if, if you enjoy it. And, that, and that, that's a, a question I want to ask you. Do you play guitar? And I, I know you, you love to play guitar and sing. Um, it's evident when you play and sing that you, you do love it. But is it, your, uh-huh. is it your happy place or is it a, a place you go when life isn't, the way it should be, it's like an escape, or how do you, or is it all of those things? My guitar playing is my my place of constant frustration. Um, I sing when I'm happy. Okay. I sing when I'm sad. I sing when it's Tuesday. And <laughs> I didn't, and I didn't want to be dependent on someone else to sing. And a piano is too heavy to carry around. Mm-hmm. And um, I love to hear the guitar, but I play the guitar of necessity. Now, there are things I love on it now that I've done it more. But I'm definitely not a guitar player who sings a little. I'm a singer that plays a little guitar. Mm-hmm. 
And I think I'll always be that because I don't, when, when I'm happy or when I'm sad or when I have time, what I want to do is sing. Well, you're not alone in that. There are many, many Uh famous singers who are known as a singer-guitar player, but when you see them in concert, they rarely really play the guitar. They might hold it. Yeah. (laughs) The uh, George Strait is a good example. Now, maybe when he was younger and he was on his way up and he couldn't afford a band, maybe he did play the guitar and sing, but every concert I've ever seen of him, he's holding the guitar, and once in a while he takes a strum. But he's a singer. Yeah. And nothing wrong with that. When people ask me, you know, why do you play guitar? Well, I need something to sing to. Yeah. So I'm... Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, now I'm I love guitar music. I love Segovia. Do you? Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I do. But I get that I'll never play like Segovia, and that's okay <laughs> with me. <laughs> well, from what that's I have... That's okay with me. Yeah, from what I have read, he was a very... That's what, what were there already? He was a very difficult master when it came to teaching people who learned from him. He was, uh, he took no prisoners. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah I, I guess, yeah, I guess some great minds. Now, speaking of great minds, one of the uh, very popular singer songwriters who you, of all the time I've known you, you bring him up quite a, quite a lot. And unfortunately we lost him this, this year. John Prine. He, you've mentioned yeah. him a lot. W- was he really important in your musical sphere? He, yes. Um, but he's one of many. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably the person the two people that I play the most of and like to listen to the most are John Gorka. Yeah, oh yeah. And and Buddy Monbach. Oh I probably yeah. I probably play more Buddy Monbach songs than anything else. And I think that goes back to not only his style of guitar playing, which I love, but the fact that I'm a lyrics person mm-hmm. and his lyrics are amazing. They really are. I only and have... he's had an yeah, huge huge effect. And and we both got now. I think you've met him more than once. I've only met him the one time. I've seen him twice, but I only actually met him the time he was at Brewers Alley, and I remember you yeah. being there and uh, and chatting with him and so forth. But you had met him prior to that, I think. I may have met him once before, but that night I got to actually sit down and talk to him a little bit. He was very gracious, and um, he said another thing that was um, a light light bulb coming on for me. Um, I told him I was trying to write music and I was having a terrible time. And he said, well, how are you doing it? And I told him and he said, didn't you tell me that you're not really much of a guitar player? And I said, yeah. He said, then why are you trying to write with the guitar? (laughs) (laughs) Like the light bulb went on, you know? And he said, your, your instrument is your voice. Walk in the woods and hum a tune and write a song. Why are you fooling with the guitar? And I said, because everybody that I know that writes told me to do that. They said, how I do is I sit down with the guitar and I fool around until I find a riff I like. And then I kind of put chords around it. Or maybe I'll have words and I'll look for chords that go with them. But I write with my guitar. And he said, yeah, but they're guitar players. You're a singer. And it was like, it was just amazing. It was like, you know, the sun came up or the light came on and it was like, okay, I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, no, you're not. But it, it is it is wonderful that he, he was just being observant in the conversation, yeah. really, you know, and yeah. just asking the question, well, why don't you write with your voice? I mean, what a wonderful, and he probably didn't really think a whole lot about it other than just to ask the question. But like you said, what wonderful advice. Yeah. And I think he obviously, I mean, he must be a student of human nature from his lyrics, but, um, he was, he, he was just very gracious and free with his time and help. And uh, I really appreciated it. I still haven't written anything, but I'm still working on it. And I'm much more encouraged now that I'm not as frustrated. 
Well, you know, no. the um, someone made a comment to me. I think it was Frank Davis who mentioned you um, uh, during his his podcast, and even when we were chatting on the phone and by email before the the podcast that we did together. He had mentioned mm-hmm. that he was chatting with you, and you, the two of you were talking about, I think, the Frederick Coffee Company open mic series, is that's how it came up in the conversation. Yeah. The, um, and I forgot where I was going with that question, so fill me in and just keep going where, where you're going. Maybe I'll think of it. Buddy well, Bond, well, Buddy Bond, Frank like, and I, yeah, go ahead. About people being gracious and helpful, Frank and I have been talking recently about Frederick Coffee Company about how much uh, time and effort and blood, sweat and tears and love you and Tommy had put into that and um, and about all the amazing talent that was found there. And, you know, I've always considered myself the baby of the group, um, but because everyone there has so much more experience playing out than I do. Um, but there was everyone there was with help and encouragement and it was a lovely group of people and I have to say that um, since going to that open mic and Tommy's open mic in um, Beans in Brunswick yeah I've met some of the best friends of my whole life that is the most difficult part of not doing the open mic series any longer. And I mean specifically the coffee company and I've been to Tommy's. I just couldn't get there very often because of schedules, yeah. but the, and Carol and I talk, and Carol will say, she goes, Todd, you don't realize how special that open mic series really, really was. She could, and we got to start talking about it. What I miss the most is the people because we did, Definitely. Frank and I mentioned it, we had this kind of a family feel to, um, we, we didn't necessarily see each other in between open mics or whatever, but it was like, just like old friends who haven't seen each other in 30 years. When you got back together, time had stood still and you just spoke to yeah. him yesterday. That was the, what yeah. was meant that that was what it meant to me. And I do miss seeing you and Frank and everybody else on a regular basis. Cause that was special. I do too, and I'm and I'm still hoping we can do that again sometime somewhere. Yeah. But um, seriously, it being involved with those activities and getting involved with fame, um, the people that I've met, I I consider them friends for life, and like I said, uh, some of the best friends that I've met in my entire life. Yeah. And um. It was a lovely group, and okay, the music makes a lot of mag- magic, yeah. <laughs> I think, between people, but I attribute it to that when you're performing, and then an open mic, you often perform something new um, or something that you're working on. We were all very vulnerable with each other. Yes, that's right, but and very supportive. Time got to, yeah, and um, it was a safe place. And people really shared themselves. And seriously, I'm closer to those people than I am to friends that I've had since childhood. Mm-hmm. So it's a lovely group. And, you know, now when I talk to them, like tonight, talking to you or seeing Frank the other night or seeing one of them on Facebook or whatever, I, they're, they're lifelong friends. I feel like I just talked to them yesterday. I feel like I can tell them whatever. And um, it's, it's lovely, lovely. No, it, it definitely is. And hopefully, once this whole coronavirus thing gets, whether we have a vaccine or it burns itself out and goes into Never Never Land, whatever, we can get back to um, doing more of that, if not on a weekly basis, maybe on a monthly basis, or, or at least periodically, so that we can... And not everyone will have to be able to come back because some of the younger people have moved on and who knows where they've gone. And we've yeah. lost, if we've lost a few to, um, moved away or whatever, but it, it will, it would be so much fun. Definitely. And, it, and the great music helps too. I mean, it's a delightful evening full of great music. So, oh, it really is. It really yeah. is. So now 
once the coronavirus is over, what is your plan, or if not a plan, what do you hope to to do musically? What what's what's on the horizon for Fran? You know, I haven't thought about it much because I have been very involved in work lately, and. Also, because of some physical limitations, I'm not sure how long I'll be playing guitar. Oh. Yeah, well, I hope to keep it up, but it may require a surgery. Um, and I so I haven't really been planning much for it, and that's one of the reasons that I always share my gigs is because my hand won't do two hours in a row anymore. Sure. Um, but even when I can... I don't think I'll go back to doing them alone because it's been so delightful to share the stage with some of my favorite people. And it's way more fun for me that way. (laughs) And plus I can introduce my friends to my other friends and expose them to different music. And so I think I'll continue that in the future regardless. Well, you mentioned Um, that the person you've been playing with when you play out now, it's Kevin, right? Right. I, I most often play with Kevin, and uh, that is, I mean, he's a friend, and it's a lot of fun for me, and I love the way he plays and sings, um, but it's also a function of his being available and being willing to come pretty much whenever. Um, so we've been playing an awful lot together, and it's been a good collaboration, I think. Well, and what is nice, too, is that male-female harmony. Yeah, yeah. Although we don't do that many songs where we sing together. Uh-huh. Uh, just because we haven't been doing it that long yet, and we haven't worked a lot of that up. But what's lovely for me is that we do a number of songs now where he plays and I just sing so that I can sing things that I won't be able to play anytime soon sure. that I love. For instance. For instance, I sang Zombie at our last gig. The Cranberries? Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that in forever. My gosh. Something I don't think I'll ever be able to play, but I've always wanted to sing, and I had the opportunity to do that because Kevin learned it for me. Oh, I was was just going to ask you, because it seemed like such an odd song that he might already know. Yeah, he learned it for me. Actually, the only one I know that performs that, and he does one of my favorite versions, is Leafy Green. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen him in a long time. Me neither. I'm oh. not sure what coast he's on these days. He was in Seattle, I think, or at least that upper yeah. northwest. He got. I think he got married, had a, ch- a child. Um, yep. Yep, and he was putting a, a CD together last I heard, mm-hmm. and we haven't been in touch recently, but he's also one of my favorite songwriters. Um, and a delightful person and another person that's very willing to help and be there and just a lovely person. So Now, when you do play, if you're sitting down, um, maybe you've had a long day at work, and in today's mm-hmm. world, a long day at the computer and on the phone, and you, you decide, gosh, I just need a little relaxation. If you do pick up the guitar and sing, what is the song you usually go to? What's the the one? seems like everybody has one or two songs that's their, it's like the first one they play. It's like when we go into a guitar shop and we try a guitar out, there's usually the first chord we strum or whatever, but are there any songs that tend to be the one you play first? There are, um, Poncho and Lefty. Uh Uh-huh. Huge town fan fan, and um, and then usually I'll play a folk song or two, yep. maybe some John Prime, yeah. But I, usually, I, if I'm if I'm just sitting down to play and relax, I usually start with Poncho and Lefty because it's one of my favorites. Now, how did you first hear that song? I'm curious if you remember. I do, as a matter of fact. Um, I, the very first version of that I heard was Emmy Lou Harris. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was on a album, um, at the apartment of my friend in Silver Spring, 
and he was a huge Emmy Lou Harris fan. And I, at that point in time, had been under a rock somewhere and had never heard of her. And I instantly fell in love with her voice and learned all her songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not the only one who'd never heard of her. I only had heard of her. I think it was when I got back into music and I started to read guitar magazines. And of course, many of the guitar magazines mentioned singers and her name kept popping up and I'm thinking, who is this person? Yeah. And I must have heard her when she, cause she sang with a lot of people as a back backup singer or singing with somebody. So I probably heard her many times without ever realizing who she was. Yep. Yeah, I just I just love her voice, and uh, probably my favorite, or anyway, in the top two or three favorite guitar player is Mark Knopfler. Oh and yeah, my so, gosh, yes, yeah, yeah, and and Mark and Emmy Lou did an album together, and I do three songs off that album. So, well, that brings up a question: Who are your top three female singers? Okay, definitely Joan Baez. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Emmy Lou. I have to think of another one, huh? Oh, Shirley Manson. Who? Shirley Manson from Garbage. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep, because you have mentioned Garbage quite a lot since I've known you. Um, I've seen them perform live probably more than any other band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love them. Now, they just put on a heck of a show, and I they're all amazing musicians, and um, Shirley is in constant motion on the stage. <laughs> um, she's just amazing. I just, I just love to watch her, and I love her songs. Now, were you fortunate enough to get to see Joan Baez when she was at the Weinberg. What was that? Three years ago, two years ago. I can't remember exactly when I was, I was there. Yeah. And she was amazing. Yep. She was. And at, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that's the first time I'd heard her live. I think that was the first, my first time as well. I mean, she was on the radio and everyone had, you know, albums with Joan Baez when I was in high school and college. And then I got into the whole pop kind of Beatles, rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. And the folk music kind of took a back seat for years and years. And her name would come up in a magazine article or whatever. But I probably didn't hear her much at all until the early 2000s when I got back into music. And I just felt that, you know, as we get older that might be my last and only chance to see her live. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was very lucky my brother had tickets actually. And what really surprised me was when she introduced the percussion drummer. That's that's her son. Yeah. And that was pretty what a cool thing as a parent or as a child for that matter to be able to perform you know, big concert venues and have your mom or your son or your, you know, brother or whatever. What a fun thing that's got to be. Really? Yeah. So who are your top Absolutely. three male singers? Oh, I, that's going to be really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it doesn't have to be the um, top three, but the three of the, the, of the many that you may love. Because they're all so different, and it's really hard to pick. I would definitely sing. Mm-hmm. Who I still love, uh, David Bowie. Yeah. And if I have to pick a third, probably Bob Dylan. Yeah. Early or late or all? Early. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Early, early Bob Dylan, all of David Bowie and all of Sting. As a matter of fact, a great disappointment to me was that this past summer I was supposed to see The Last Ship, which is Sting's musical. Mm-hmm. And uh, that he wrote about the place where he grew up. 
and where they built ships and um and he was actually going to be in it which he wasn't uh when they did it on Broadway but it was coming to the national and uh they had to cancel because of covid and i was just heartbroken that's the second time i've missed the show and if it's the last thing i do i'm going to see it well the i've never seen him in person but we i've seen two of his documentary concerts that he done where he brings all the um he has such an international group of musicians who play with him but carol and i yeah. also have the dvd and you've probably seen it the concert for a winter's night uh-huh. which many people think is a Christmas um, concert, but it really is not. Um, it's really not. <laughs> no, but it is very festive in its... And we have the... the, the you're probably aware of it, but some of the people listening may not. It's a double DVD. One is the actual concert, and the other DVD is he and the music director he has for the thing, discussing and going about assembling, and, and it's... I love the backstory kind of stuff. I do too. And he has such too. a unique and voice that is wonderful. It is. And he's so interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, what I love about him is that he really is kind of a Renaissance guy. Yeah. And he's very curious and knows a lot about a lot of things. He's, um, very serious and the thing I love most about him is that he's still growing but it's very important to him that he is still growing in music yeah um, it, it's I never got to see the police but I've seen Sting several times in person and he just uh, is amazing yeah I I mean as much as I love the police especially their earlier stuff the stuff that really made them great I yeah. I would have to say that probably I like his more more of his later stuff than maybe the as, as catchy as the early stuff is and it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think I like the older stuff better or the more recent. I do too. So let's go I do back. Too. I think he just keeps getting better. Yeah. So let's go back to guitars. Okay. <laughs> what are you playing now? What's your go-to guitar? I am currently playing a guitar that I love. It's a Taylor. And wait a minute. I wrote down the number because I know you're a a gear geek. (laughs) (laughs) Gearhead. It's a Taylor Academy 12E Grand Concert. Uh, okay. I knew, I, I was pretty sure it was an Academy series, Taylor, but I, I couldn't remember. Because you and I have had yeah. this conversation where, you know, and many of the, well, some of the guitar players I know have been using the same guitar, and I only have one, and they've had it forever. But um, you and I both kind of traveled trying to find kind of the perfect guitar, and one becomes our favorite for a while, and then falls from favor and then we get another one but the uh, I yeah. know that the last time I saw you you were talking about it and how it is it's working well for you this is the one this is the one they made this tailor for France <laughs> <laughs> now how did um, yeah God. how did I find it yes I was in making music one day just looking around the acoustic room, wasn't really in the market for a guitar, played it, went back the next day and bought it. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think I put it on layaway, but anyway, um, it, I just heard it and it was like, oh God, this is a perfect guitar for me. And I have a Takamini, which I love. Okay. I love playing it. I love the tone of it. It weighs a ton. And, um, it's nice for playing out in the weather because it's it doesn't react to weather very much. But it just weighs a ton, and I was really sick of lugging it around. So I tried a bunch of different smaller, lighter things. Um, I had a Luna for a while, which are built to be, um, they say, more 
ergonomic and they're purposefully built, you know, lighter. They're braced differently, so they're lighter in weight. Um, I had a baby tailor for a while, which was the right size, but not so much volume. Um, so I tried a bunch of different things. And when I found this tailor, I was like, oh, this is the guitar for me. When I picked it up, they had it, I had called and asked them to set it up for me. And so it was waiting for me in the case at the front desk. When I went to pick it up, I paid for it. I took it out to the car and I had to open the case to make sure that they hadn't forgotten to put the guitar in it. It's that light. Wow. I could pick it up with one finger the case and not strain myself. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's like, it's a student guitar and um, they built it essentially for um, new players to have something that had ease of playing, but was very durable and it's not too precious that you're afraid to use it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it has stellar sound. It has a spruce top. It has lovely tone. Um, but they did away with some of the trims and fancy things on it and just left the things that make it a really good sounding guitar. Um, really the only um, extra on it is it has an armrest. <laughs> which is very nice for me. Um, but the tone of it and my voice go very well together. So between the fact that I think it complements my voice and the fact that it's so lightweight and easy to play, it's just the perfect guitar for me, and I'm thrilled with it. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. I, I remember seeing the last time I saw Todd Coyle, who's out of the Shepherdstown, <laughs> Charlestown mm -hmm. area, he was playing, he had a uh, Taylor Big Baby guitar. Yep. And, and he picked it up and he played, I think he had an altered tuning and he played one or two songs with it and he set it down. And when he was on break or maybe at the end, I said, you know, where did you get the Taylor? How long have you had that? And he goes, I bought it from Fran Tucker. Mm -hmm. And you and he did, because he ran the, um, was it the Charlestown um, Farmer's Market or the Harper's Ferry one? And you did a lot Charles of performing. Still, yeah. yeah, he still does. And you, yeah, and you performed quite a bit there, I think. I have once once or twice a summer. Yeah. Yeah. He gets wonderful musicians up there, though, and it's my favorite market. Um, the people are great. So it's a place I love to go and shop and also enjoy the music. Yeah. And uh, I've been missing it this summer. They have had some... They have had markets, and you need to, you know, pay in advance and drive through and get your stuff. But I'm really missing um, hanging out there and getting something to eat and buying my veggies for the week and listening to the wonderful music because he gets great musicians up there. Yeah, yeah, he's another one of the uh, the kind of the group that we had surrounding us that I I haven't seen in a long time and I miss. He always that song he wrote about his mom is still one of my favorite oh, Todd Carl yeah. songs. Really, really wonderful. Definitely. Oh, someone else's voice you can put on my list of females is Kippen Martin. Oh, my gosh, yes. And but, I met her at the market. Did you really? Yeah, that's the first time I heard her thing, and I was just mesmerized. <laughs> yeah, and she, I, I agree with you. And she didn't come out of nowhere, but... To me, she came out of nowhere, and I don't remember if I heard her the very first time at maybe Brewer's Alley, and she did a three-song set, maybe. Um, and I, I, I was like, one, she plays guitar quite well. Oh yeah. And I was, I was, you know, I hear the guitar first, and she plays it, you know, that uh, Gibson Jumbo, which you don't see too many girls play. You don't see too many guys. It's That's a big true. guitar. And I heard the guitar, I saw the guitar, I heard the play, and I'm going, oh, she plays pretty good. And then she opened her mouth, and I was like, oh, my word. Yep. And she writes the most lovely song. Oh, the song about her, uh, she writes about the mother and daughter. And is just, it's one of my favorites. I've got it somewhere in my computer. Unfortunately, I don't, they don't always get downloaded with the title. They get downloaded as track one or something yep. like that. And so trying to find yep. it is almost impossible. But, yeah. 
Yeah, glad you mentioned she is she and she's from this area basically in our greater Baltimore, Washington. At least she was last time I I knew. Yes, when I when I met her, she was actually living in Charlestown. I'm pretty sure, or around that area. But she's moved since then. But she's still around here, and uh, she performs or will be again after COVID. I'm sure um, performs at, at venues around the area, like um, Baldwin Station and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, her concert. Mm-hmm. And I think they did an online concert, as a matter of fact. Um, those folks are still doing. Uh, the concerts they would would have been doing at the restaurant, and now they're doing them online. Gotcha. Tips and such. Yeah. So, what is your? Let's put it this way: from a folk song standpoint, or what we would call folk music, which kind of is Americana. It's even light rock, still considered a folk to most people. What are your top two favorite folk songs? To sing or to listen to? Um, let's, let's say listen to. Wow. Or if you'd rather sing. Um, to sing is easier. Okay. My, my favorite folk song to sing is City of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and to listen to again, pretty much anything by Buddy Monfort. Yeah. Um, probably coming down in the rain. It's one of my favorite things to listen to. Now, did you ever see any of his? I don't know how much they performed, but he and Art Garfunkel and a girl, and I don't know, remember her name, did a trio thing for a while. Um, I caught him on a YouTube. Quite by accident, I was looking at somebody. You know how when you watch YouTube and sometimes off to the right, you've got all those little uh, screens. And and I saw his yeah. name over there and Art Garfunkel mentioned in yeah. the same. And I was just mesmerized by the sounds they were making. I don't know how much they performed or if they were even still doing anything. But um, he has such a soft, that, beautiful voice. Yeah, I think they performed quite a lot for a while. And I've only seen them on YouTube, too. But yeah. I just... What a what an amazing blend of beautiful voices, and I'm pretty sure Art recorded the kit, which is one of my favorite Montbot songs. It is. That's probably my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but it's right up there. My favorite is um, "Stay Up All Night." Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if I've seen, heard that one or not. I only had one well, of his CDs. Well, next time you come hear me, you'll hear me play it because it's a go-to of mine. Okay. Well, and, and when I talked to him, he said he, he doesn't know anybody else that covers that. <laughs> that for that particular one. Well, Fran, I one this has been so much fun for me because I haven't spoken to you in such a long time. The and I look forward to seeing you in person sometime in the near future. How near that is, we of course don't know, but. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. This has been absolutely... Carol's going to pick my brain when I go in to, to, to eat. She's going to say, what'd she well, say? Thank you, very much for, thank you very much for having me, Todd, and for making me feel so comfortable. <laughs> well, you know... And I appreciate the invitation. Well, we're going to give you a round of applause. <laughs> How about that? It sounds like the old up and mic days when uh, you'd finish a song and... Yeah. But it is. Well, you been... know, it's a big cam. I love applause. So thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. Well, listen, you have a good rest of your evening and a fun time until I see you again. You're the best, Todd. Thank you very much. All right, Fran. Thanks so much for, for joining me. Talk Bye. To... Bye bye. Well, that was Fran Tucker. Good friend. And uh, I do miss seeing her. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this show and have enjoyed previous shows and will tune in for future shows. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of music in the meantime.
Wisping Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series is produced by Todd C. Walker at the Wisping Mop Studio in Frederick, Maryland, occasionally on location. All music on the podcast is played by permission from the artist, unless it's something like what I call bumper music, which is by Jason Shaw. That's what we're listening to right now, and he has a company and a website, audionautics.com. If you're enjoying the series, please feel free to share the link, wispymopmusic.podbean.com, and podbean is spelled P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Or you can find the show on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.